Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So... It, it was the summer of 2003. Sarah and I had been dating for a year, and I was about to start my senior year of college. And, and Sarah and I knew that uh, we were planning to get married. Uh, we had talked about it many times over that, that last year. And, and we knew that we wanted to get married after I graduated from college. And so that summer, I went and bought an engagement ring. And I went and talked to Sarah's parents to ask permission. And, uh, and so really the only question was when and how was I going to propose? So that particular summer, Sarah was living with two children as a nanny for the summer and she had that night off. And so my parents, they were actually out of town on a trip and so I said, well come over and I will cook you a super fancy dinner. So I cooked her my best meal possible, spaghetti. <laughs> so she arrived at at the house and I had a candlelit dinner prepared in the dining room and uh, on, on the stereo upstairs on the landing that overlooked our living room and dining room uh, I had music playing and, and so we enjoyed our super fancy spaghetti dinner and then I asked her uh, if she'd like to dance with me in the living room you know it really is not a sin to dance it's just a sin to dance poorly <laughs> So we danced for a little bit, and, uh, and, and I said, well, let me go upstairs and put our song on. So little did she know, but I had the engagement ring in its box sitting next to the stereo. And so when I went up to put our song on, I grabbed that engagement ring box, put it in my pocket, went back downstairs. My, my heart was racing. Our song was playing, and I got down on my knee, and I asked her to marry me. And spoiler alert, she said yes. <laughs> so as we think about music and songs, music really tends to be a big part of our life. So much so that when we're in a relationship, whether we're dating or whether we're married, we claim songs as our own, right? This is our song. And so we might play that song at significant moments in our relationship. Or maybe if it comes on the radio uh, when we hear that song, we, we are reminded of the one that we, we love. Music just tends to be a big part of our lives. So we're in this series right now titled The Soundtrack for Life. And as we're going through this series, we're simply looking at a different song each week in the book of Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter 19 today. Psalm chapter 19, we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. That's the entirety of the chapter. And as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. If you remember from a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Psalm chapter 8. And in Psalm chapter 8, David is talking about the magnificence of God's name or, or the glory of God. And so as we start out looking at Psalm 19, the, the first part of Psalm 19, David is singing once again about the glory of God. In a way, the, the first part of Psalm 19 seems, seems a bit repetitive uh, as we think about what David said over in Psalm chapter 8. But here's the deal. When we have something good to tell, we can't help but repeat ourselves. 
when we have something good to tell, we can't help but repeat ourselves. So last Sunday morning, Josh and I had the opportunity to share that testimony about, uh, about the student uh, at, at camp where we saw God literally break through some walls. And, and the student's testimony about God changed just within a matter of hours, going from I don't even believe God exists to I believe that I've had an, an encounter and an, an experience with God tonight. And so as we shared that story, to be honest, that was not the first time that I had shared that story, right? In fact, I began sharing that story almost immediately. That Thursday night that that happened, I texted Sarah and I shared this story with her. And then I texted Palmer, our new youth minister, and I shared this story with him. Then when I got back to Stockdale, I began making phone calls so I could share that story with others. Because when we have something good to tell, we can't help but repeat ourselves. I was actually talking to my, my dad earlier this week, and he was telling me a story that he's already shared with me a couple of times before. And so uh, he kind of stopped in the middle of the story, and he said, I've no, I know I've already shared this story with you. I'm not sharing it again because, I'm, uh, because I've forgotten that I sh I've shared it. I'm sharing it again because I want to emphasize it. So singing of God's glory is something that David has already done before. We, we've seen him sing about, talk about God's glory. We've already seen him talk about how God's glory fills up the heaven with the sun, the moon, the stars, and the sky. We, we've seen David say this before. Uh, and so David isn't saying it again because he's forgotten it. David is saying it again so that he can emphasize it to once again proclaim God's glory among creation. Because when, when you have something good to tell... We can't help but repeat ourselves. I want you to hear me. If you know Jesus as your Lord, you have something good to tell. Let me say that again. If you know Jesus as your Lord, you have something good to tell. And it should be, it should be natural for us to repeat ourselves as we talk about God's glory, as we talk about God's goodness, as we talk about God's faithfulness in our lives. In fact, I would say that it should become so natural for us to talk about God's goodness, to, to repeat ourselves, that, that people should just begin to expect that, that when they see you coming, that they're going to hear about God's goodness. They're going to hear about God's glory. There was a deacon up in our church in Wataga. Every time I saw him, I would ask him how he's doing, and, and he would always answer with blessed and highly favored. And so this was something that, that I just knew I was going to hear come from his mouth. I, I would have been surprised if he answered me with anything other than those words. That's always what he said. Now, I'm not saying that, that we need to go around saying exactly what he said. But what I am saying is it should become so common for us, so natural for us to, to repeat ourselves, talk about God's goodness, that, that people should just expect it. And they should be surprised if they don't hear it from us. We would be surprised if David was not singing about the glory of God. David is repeating himself because he has something good to tell. And we should repeat ourselves as well. Because when we have something good to tell, we can't help but repeat ourselves. So David has already talked about the goodness of God over in Psalm chapter 8. But here he is singing about the glory of God once again in Psalm chapter 19. So let's read this now. Psalm 19 verses 1 through 14. 
says the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to their their other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So as we walk through this passage today, there there are a few things that I want you to see. First, I want you to, to see the two ways that God has revealed himself to mankind. And then as we get ready to close, then we're going to look at... Uh, what, what mankind's response should be to God's revelation of himself. So first, we see God's nonverbal revelation. First, we see God's nonverbal revelation. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4 again. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. We see God's nonverbal revelation of himself. So I started out by talking about uh, when I proposed to Sarah, I played our song. So early on in our relationship, we actually decided that our song was uh, When You Say Nothing At All. It's a song by Alison Krauss. And in this song, she talks about all that's communicated without saying any words at all. The touch of your hands, the, the smile on your face, uh, the, the truth in your eyes. All of these things communicate so many words without saying any word at all. And so she says, you say it best when you say nothing at all. So as David looks at God's creation, as he looks at all of the works of God's hands, as he recognizes all that he sees on the earth and and all that he sees in the sky point back to God's glory, he recognizes that they do so and they they say so many words. They say so much about God and yet they, they do it without saying any words at all. You know, as, as humans, a bulk of what we communicate is done without saying any words at all. In fact, uh, uh, Dr. Albert Moravian, he, he's the author of a, a book by the title of Silent Messages, he concluded after his studies that only 7% of what we communicate is actually done with words. The other 93% of what we communicate comes without words at all. It comes from the tone of our voice, it comes from our facial, facial expressions, and from our body language. 
How many times have you been with a good friend or, or maybe with your spouse and you're able to just give each other a look and, and you can communicate a multitude of words and that with that one look without saying any words at all? Moms do this really well, right? With just a single look, you know, I've done messed up, right? A multitude of words without a single word at all. David says here, there are no words spoken, and yet a message has gone out to the whole earth. A message has gone out to the ends of the world, and it's a message of God's glory. It's a message for all to see and for all to, to know that as we look at creation, we are able to see the evidence of a creator. We're able to see the glory of God. So much so that in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, we're told that mankind is without excuse. Because God has displayed his glory throughout all of creation, but because God has displayed this message about himself throughout the, the stars in the sky and everything here on this earth, Mankind is without excuse when we choose to deny the Creator. It, it, now, whether you want one of these or, or not, it would be like looking at all of the intricacies of the Tesla and saying that Elon Musk does not exist, right? But, but if you've kept up with all of the advancements in cars and if you, if you know anything about Teslas, then you know that Elon Musk exists. And yet there's so many in this world that will look at the beauty of the world and the intricacies of this world and they will deny the existence of the Creator. And, and, and God tells us we have no excuse because His creation has spoken a message to us without saying any words at all. His creation has spoken a message to us and it is a message about His glory. So we see God's nonverbal revelation. Second, we see God's verbal revelation. Let's read verse 7 again. It says, The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. We see God's nonverbal revelation. So as we look at the, the first part of this psalm, we see how God communicates with, without any words at all. But, but now we get to examine the rhema, God's spoken word. And what David is saying is just as creation has revealed God's glory to us, as we look to God's instruction, as we look to his, his precepts, to his ordinances, all of these words pointing back to God's word, David says God's word also reveals to us God's glory. It also points back to just how glorious God is. In fact, I want you to hear how David describes God's word. In verse 7, David says it's perfect and trustworthy. Verse 8, David says it's right and radiant. In verse 9, David calls it pure, reliable, and righteous. And in verse 10, he says God's word is desirable and sweet. So a fun fact about me, I love cotton candy. And nothing fancy, just the basic pink or blue original flavored cotton candy. Uh, in, in fact, it very well be, may be my favorite candy in the world. It is scrumdiddlyumptious. <laughs> now, I know not everyone loves cotton candy as much as I do. My wife is one of those, right? And we still have managed to stay married. So, uh, but, but I haven't found anything better. I just love cotton candy. 
But I don't just love cotton candy. I love all things flavored with that original cotton candy flavoring. So all summer long, uh, as we have gone to Dairy Queen through the drive-thru, I have ordered the cotton candy blizzard. Anybody else out there? Man, y'all are missing out. All right. It is amazing. All right. So earlier this week, uh, Tuesday, after thinking about uh, craving this cotton candy blizzard for several hours, Emily and I, we got in the car to go to Dairy Queen to order uh, the family blizzards. And so I pulled up to the drive-thru and, and I ordered a small cotton candy blizzard and I heard the worst thing you can possibly hear in the drive-thru. I'm sorry, we are out of that. And I kid you not, my immediate response to the, the lady on the speaker was, this is the worst day of my life. <laughs> now, I was kidding, of course, but, but I was disappointed, right? So David doesn't compare the, the God's word to cotton candy, but he does compare it to the sweetness of honey. And yet he says, God's word is sweeter than honey. Now, some of you may not like sweet things as much as, as those of us that love cotton candy, right? But, but what we know, when, when David says that it's sweeter than honey, what he's saying is, man, God's word is good. God's word is something that you, you crave. And the good news is, is that there is no shortage of God's word. You're never going to go to God's word and find out that God's word has run out. God's word is always there for us. God's word is always ready to teach us, always ready to instruct us, always ready to correct us. God's word is always there for us because there is no shortage of God's word. But as we think about God's word being perfect and trustworthy, as we think about God's word being right and radiant, as we think about it being pure, reliable and righteous, desirable and sweet, David can say all of these things are true of God's word because all of these things are true of God himself. If God were not reliable, then his word would not be reliable. Have you ever met someone that, that man, you just cannot take them at their word? Right? I've met plenty of people like that in my lifetime. They have a lot to say and they will commit to a lot of stuff, but at the end of the day, they just don't follow through with their commitments. What does that do to their word? It diminishes the value of their word. Their word is not reliable because they are not reliable. Because at the end of the day, our words are a reflection of who we are. And so in the same way, just as our words are a reflection of who we are, God's word is a reflection of who he is. And so David is able to say all of these good and wonderful things about God's word because... God himself is good and wonderful. So let me pause right here and just ask, are you daily going to God's good and wonderful word? Because if we understand that, that God is all of these things, and if we understand that, that God's word reveals all of these things to us about God, and if we understand that, that as we study God's word that, that we learn more about him, how can we not go to God's word with great expectation, with a great hunger to learn more of his word, but also to learn more about the God who has spoken it to us? So are you daily going to God's good and wonderful word? And if you're not, then let me encourage you today to go to God's word and taste of its 
sweetness, that you might begin to crave it in your life, not just today, not just tomorrow, but each and every day of your life. So we see God's nonverbal revelation and we see God's verbal revelation. Finally, this morning, we see what man's response should be to God's revelation. This is what man's response should be to God's revelation, and this is David's response. Let's look at verses 12 through 14 again. It says, Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We see man's response to God's revelation. As David sees God's God's glory revealed through his creation, as God or as David sees just how great and how pure and how holy God is, David is reminded he he is faced with just how impure and how unholy he is as a man. So, our son Ethan, he has always been tall for his age. He's in the top percentile for his height, always has been. So when he was younger, he, he began to look so big to us. But I remember one year when we went out trick-or-treating that, that we saw Ethan walking next to some taller kids and we were reminded of just how little he still is. So what David does is, is he looks at just how great, how mighty, how awesome God is. And it reveals to David not, not just how great God is, but it reveals to him just how little he still is. It reveals to him just how far, how far he has fallen from God's standard of perfection. And so as David becomes aware of all of his impurities, as he becomes aware of all of his sin, what he does is he lays his heart open before the Lord. And he says, God, would you address the sin in my heart? Would you address the sin in my life? Whether it's intentional sin or whether it's unintentional sin, would you address it? Would you even deal with the words that are coming out of my mouth that everyone knows about, but also deal with what's in my heart that no one knows about? What a prayer. Deal with what, what's in my life that everyone knows about, but also deal with what's in my heart that no one knows about. He says, would you, would you cleanse me, God, that I might be blameless in your sight? You see, as David recognizes just how pure and how holy God is and just how impure and how, how unholy he is, he recognizes, he realizes that, that there is nothing that he can do in his own strength to make him pure before a holy God. Rather, he can only lay his, his sinful heart, he can only lay his sins before the Lord and ask God to deal with it for him, to make him pure for him. I want you to hear this. There is nothing that you can do in your own strength to make yourself pure before a holy God. No amount of religious rituals, no amount of good works, no amount of hard effort can make yourself pure before a holy God. Only God can make you pure. Only God can take your sin, whether it's intentional or unintentional, whether it's sin that everyone knows about or whether it's sin that's hidden in your heart. Only God can take your sin and wash you clean and can redeem you. But here's the good news, right? When this is our response to God as it should be, 
when our response is like David, to, to come before God with a humble heart and an open heart and to just lay everything before the Lord, through Jesus Christ, God's promise is that he will wash us, that he will take our sin, and that he will make us clean. And so as we recognize just how great God is, as we look at how he has revealed himself to us through his creation, and as we look at how God has revealed himself to us through his word, then just as David has sung our song, a part of the soundtrack for our lives should be this humility and repentance. If you've never come to God today, through Jesus Christ, if you've never laid your heart open before the Lord and asked him to cleanse you through Jesus Christ, then I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song, and as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond this morning. And if you're here today and you would say, that's me, I've never come to God, I've never laid my heart open before the Lord, I've never confessed my sins to him, I've never allowed Jesus to be the Lord of my life, but today... I recognize the sin that's in my heart, just like David. I recognize the sin that's in my life that, that causes me to fall short from God's holy standard. And today I'm ready to turn to God. Today I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If you would say that's you, then as we sing this song, I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. You can step out of your seat and you can join me down here. We can talk. We can pray. And today, through Jesus, you can be made clean. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ already, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. We've had several baptisms already, and we're going to have several more coming up because we've had salvations over the last few weeks. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've not taken that step of baptism, then I would invite you to respond today. Make that commitment today so that you can make your faith in Christ public. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. And I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. And I know that God's calling me to make this my church home, to connect my life with this church body, to be on mission with this church body here in this community and around the world. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.